Amen. You can be seated. Uh, my name is Dan Jarvis, one of the pastors here. I'm really glad to see you this morning, and I hope to also see you tonight. I wanted to mention that as well. I know during announcements they talked about it, but that family meeting, you know, we have meetings every week here at the church and all sorts of sub-meetings outside of that, but this is the one time that we set aside intentionally every year to review our vision, our, our aims as a church, what some of the goals are, who the leaders are, what the budget will be. So this is, if you're interested in how the church is going to move forward, you definitely want to come tonight. Uh, we'll walk back through uh, what I introduced a few weeks ago, our ABCD strategy for 2023. And, and I'll break out kind of how those actually will work tonight, adding advocates, building life groups, constructing children's space, and then developing outreaches. And we have some fun plans in all those categories and, and some news to bring you up to speed on, including... Um, for the first time, a little bit of a draft to show of how we can use that children's ministry space we're renovating over on the other side of the building. So if you've been here for a while, maybe you know about this, but it's kind of hidden away, so you might not even realize that probably about a fourth of our facility is in a kind of a construction zone right now, and there's just a door you walk up to and it says, don't enter. So if you go ahead and enter that door, uh, you would see a big expansive room with uh, all sorts of space for what we pray will be our next generation outreach to kids. And we're really excited about unveiling a little bit about what that could look like tonight and then kicking off the process for all sorts of input. So those of you who are teachers, those of you who have kids in the, in the, in the system, in the ministries, we would love for all of you to be a part of that process. And that all starts tonight. So, um, so please come and enjoy and we'll we'll share in what I hope will be a really hope-filled and exciting evening of strategy and mission and purpose for the future of our church. For today, we're going to look at the idea of peace. Right? Now, some of you say, wow, I'm really glad I came to church today because I don't think I have a plan for daily peace. Um, in fact, if I could open up my heart and show others, they would see a lot of turmoil. They would see stress, they would see anxiety, they might even see depression or despair. Um, they would see unhealthy habits that are driving me crazy, but I don't know how to get out of them. Um, they would see people who, they would see someone who's maybe overworked or overtired or being oppressed somehow or persecuted somehow. If that's you, um, the next seven weeks, we're going to walk through a path for daily peace, a way that you can step forward um, on, into the kind of life that Jesus died to provide for you. And so many of us are leaving that on the shelf. Like we, we have all the right beliefs and the right doctrine. We're opening up the Bible. We're looking for the truth. But when it actually comes to that changing who we are, we're still somehow missing something. And uh, so I really pray that this series will be a great encouragement to you uh, and perhaps some equipping for you as you go out into a world that doesn't have a lot of peace and, and help others. All right, so uh, over the course of this series, each Sunday, I'll offer you one choice. That's all you have to think about, one choice each week. And the seven times, we'll, we'll make seven choices over the next seven weeks that will help you walk on the road of peace that I believe God has for you. Now, I think about what we've covered in our narrative lately as a church. You know, we went through the book of Colossians. We talked all about how our hearts transform as we follow Jesus. We went through the, a good chunk of the book of Daniel and talked about what it means to be a light in a dark society and 
how your life can add up to great things and mean a lot in the scope of earth and eternity. But you know that all that sense of mission and forward momentum can pretty much come to a grinding halt if your soul isn't healthy. Do you agree with that? You could have all the best intentions in the world, but if you look in the mirror and you're dealing with some sort of deep depression or darkness in your heart, you're not going to get very far on your mission for Christ. So I think this is a really important step that we have to take and probably a theme or a talk that we need to have fairly frequently because everything about our world pushes us away from peace and healthy souls. Okay, so I just want to pause and pray that God will give us the grace we're going to need and the ears we're going to need to hear what we need to hear and then do what we need to do as a result of what we'll study in the Bible here next. So Lord, we come to you. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a path for peace, not just eternal peace, we're grateful for that, but daily peace, even in a tumultuous and stressful world. Thank you for showing us the way, and Lord, we do thank you that you gave your life to free us from sin and give us a path forward into eternity that at least on paper in your word is supposed to contain peace that passes understanding. That's what we want to experience. So Lord, in the weeks ahead, I just pray that all of us would have open hearts. I know I need this as much as anyone else in the room. So we want to hear from you, Lord, in these weeks. Uh, we'll hear from a variety of teachers and counselors and we'll look at all sorts of nuances of how your word asks us to walk. But at the end of all of that, we, we just need the voice of the Holy Spirit in our own hearts um, giving us your peace. So we pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have a warm-up question for you. And I know some of you who are introverts, you hate when I do this. So I wanted to give you a little bit of strategy before I show you the question. Um, because you say, I, I'm okay with rhetorical questions, but when you actually ask me to answer the question to like a neighbor, I don't like that. So I've got two ways to help you if you don't want to do this. One is, you can bow meaningfully in prayer, and probably no one will bother you. The other is that, so there's going to be about a 90-second opportunity to look at your neighbor and ask them a question. The key for introverts is ask the question first, like jump right on it and then keep them talking and run the clock out, okay? So I'm going to give you the question. Here you go. Ask your neighbor, where do you feel the most peace and why? Go for it, 90 seconds.
All right. Well, I, first of all, I would say I hope you did have an answer to that question. I hope that there's somewhere in all the craziness of life that you could say, you could identify a place and say, as, as you know, maybe it doesn't happen very often, but at least when it does happen, I feel peace in that moment. I, I was having a little bit of trouble narrowing this down personally because I can think of multiple places that I would associate with feeling peaceful, you know, sandy beaches and sunny skies floating in a pool somewhere. But what I've also noticed is that I can set those moments up and then my problems and stressors will follow me to those places. Some of them are smaller people that have my last name <laughs> that come along with me. Um, sometimes it's the responsibilities that carry with me and so even though I might be on a beach somewhere, I'm still thinking about the, the problem that I have to solve. Um, the other place I was thinking, it's really not a place, it's more like a moment that I can create, is I feel a sense of relief or peace when I power off my device, like when my phone is off. Now I realize for some people that like creates immense anxiety because you're like, oh my goodness, I might miss something. Um, but for me, when my device is off, I, what I'm assuming is that it stresses out a bunch of other people who don't get a response, but for me, I'm blissfully unaware of whatever their problem is that I was supposed to be helping with. And so sometimes I'll just power it down and I'll just feel like a little bit of a sigh of like, okay. I'm, um, and it's, it's interesting how, if you think about it, most of the problems of life, they track you on your phone, right? The problems follow you. The, they all have your number. They find you. So you, all you have to do is turn it off and you're, you're stress-free for at least a moment, right? So... Um, for me, finding places of peace is important, but it's not really the answer to the question that we're dealing with today. Because the, the peace that comes in our soul has to be a sort of peace that can exist while we're having problems and while we're dealing with difficult things. Or else our peace is just circumstantial and, and it's only if you happen to be like rich enough and free enough and everything just kind of lines up and in that quick moment you're like okay I'm happy right now and then you go right back into the gutter no that's not spiritual peace if we're going to have the kind of peace that passes understanding it means peace that doesn't logically make sense like it's not based on everything in your life is great therefore you have peace it's actually peace that can and sometimes you run into people who have this right someone will be facing like a terminal illness and they're dying and you're, you, you say, wow, that person has such peace. Um, or their, their life is very chaotic, and it seems like they're just dealing with tons of horrible things, and yet they're still somehow joyful. And you say, that's what I want. I want that kind of peace in my life, and I know that comes from God, but how does it come from God? So for seven weeks, we're going to open up the Bible and find that answer. So go ahead and turn to Psalm 42, just to kind of be ready. But I want to ask you another question. How peace-filled is American culture right now? I, I see a zero over there. Yeah, right. There's not a lot of categories we're doing very well on that, right? Even though you might, you might say, like, on some sort of broad measurement, like, we kind of have a lot of things that are worked out that, you know, medically, and there's clean water for most people, and there's opportunities everywhere, and yet still, with a lot of those physical things worked out, still, there's a lot of stress out there in culture, and just about any measurement you might use, 
to say are people doing are, are, are people's souls healthy would be a measurement that is not only like scarily negative, but it's also one that's trending downward. Say, well, why is that? So doing a little bit of research on that here in the last couple of weeks, um, I came across a briefing that was actually just given on Monday from the CDC. It was a federal government, Centers for Disease Control, um, offering some perspective on one of the multiple crises of our time that they deal with, and it zeroes in on young people. So not singling out young people, because this applies to everybody, but whatever the problems that are society-wide, it seems like they're amplified among teens right now. Right? So you look at some of the you know, anxiety, depression, sadness. You say you find that all over the place, but then when you zoom into a high school, it feels like you're just seeing it everywhere you look. Right? So thinking, well, why is that? Why is that the case? So I wanted to show you one quote that was offered from the um, chief medical officer of the CDC. The data show a distressing picture, Deborah Hurry said. America's teen girls are engulfed in a growing wave of sadness, violence, and trauma. So you think, wow, for whatever patriotic speech you want to give about America, if that's true, things are not going well. If that's, if that's our daughters, right? So I have a few statistics to share with you that came out in that briefing. And, and I just give these to you not to say... There's some sort of you know, slick answer we can give that fixes this, but to say this is what we're starting with as we think about having peace in our own hearts and then somehow being able to carry that peace out to the world around us. So nearly one in three high school girls reported in 2021 that they seriously considered suicide. Another statistic, if you think about every 10 teen girls you know, at least one and possibly more has been raped. And that's the highest level we've ever seen. That came from the CDC's Division of Adolescent and School Health. Almost three in five teenage girls reported feeling so persistently sad or hopeless almost every day for at least two weeks in a row during the previous year that they stopped their regular activities. They walk through what boys are experiencing as well, but the statistics are essentially double for girls. But there's many young men that are dealing with these things along, along the way as well. well there's so many things here to mention. Um, one um, researcher was looking at the sexual violence figures and said um, these, that the figures did not startle her at all. Because she said, quote, I've yet to meet a teenage girl who has not had something disgusting said or done to her by a man. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, and questioning students were significantly more likely to experience violence, including rape, than their heterosexual peers. They were also more likely to be electronically bullied and to report persistent sadness and hopelessness. 22% had attempted suicide during the past year. So I look at all that and think, wow, what, what are we supposed to do, right? I mean, do you, do you not see that? And that, you could, you could open up statistic after statistic, and you could see depression, uh, millions of people being diagnosed with depression every year. You could see anxiety, um, millions of teenagers taking anxiety meds, millions of adults taking anxiety meds. 
Nothing wrong with those meds. The question is, why, is that, why, why are things growing at such a rapid rate? Why, what changed all of a sudden that would change the landscape so dramatically that the U.S. government would be holding a briefing and saying things like that? So, as we dive into this, I'll, I can't promise that we'll answer all of those needs in this series, but what I do know is that um, on an individual level, there's hope for anyone who's willing to see what God says, and there's hope for our souls. And so, so we, want to, we want to explore that hope today. A couple challenges to overcome before we get to Psalm 42. You say, well, why, what is wrong? Um, well, the things that lead to peace are often minimized and mocked. So you could say, all right, if you were going to structure a society so that people could live peaceful, joyful lives, what would you do in that society? Say, well, you'd want them to have healthy family relationships. You'd want them to have clear moral values so they know exactly what's right and wrong. You'd want them to have a clear sense of how to make something, you know, how to be productive and how to, how to live a life that has some forward motion. Um, you would, you'd want to celebrate good character in their hearts. So you say, well, every, everything you could put on that list, you would say in one way or another, either political culture or pop culture is mocking and denigrating right now. So everything that we would see would point us away from peace. Do you feel that as well? Um, and so whether you're watching you know, a full-on movie or scrolling to the next reel, um, very, very little of it would trend you toward anything healthy or right. Almost all of it is pushing you toward something that at minimum is neutral, usually is somehow negative. The strategies we use to feel peace often work against us. So you say, wow, the country's stressed out, people are overworked, people are struggling, students are struggling. So what is our solution pathway when we feel it? Think, well, what do people do when they don't feel peace? They end up addicted to substances. Uh, they end up burning five hours a day on social media. They, they end up shutting themselves off from friends and church and getting more and more isolated. They, they might end up lashing out in anger toward people they love and separating themselves from whatever healthy relationships they could have had. Say, wow, the, the, just, just when you would think, hey, we have a choice here, like, yes, there's a big flood of problems out there, but we're going to tackle our own lack of peace. A lot of times, the things that we start to naturally do are the things that take us even further um, from physical, emotional, or spiritual peace. So these are some of the things we'll talk about in the next seven weeks, walking through it more specifically. The cultural trends around us all seem to lean toward anxiety. So, so if you were to, you know, maybe you're into the news, you love following current events, does that help you feel peace? Um, maybe you say, I, I skip all that, I just, uh, I just go for entertainment, I'm all about Hollywood. Does, does that make you feel peace? Um, you could look at any category that we're, any category of life or sort of public narrative, and, and so much of it trends us toward defeat or worry or even outright fear. So we add all that up. You say, wow, there's a lot working against our peace. 
How peace-filled is your life right now? So I'd like you to look at Psalm 42 with me, and we're going to see in this psalm, which is a song written by someone who is struggling, a little bit of their story through the song. So there's not a lot of specifics, there's not like location details or characters in the story, but you, you hear from the cry of this person's heart what they're dealing with. Essentially, they're on the run. They, they used to be a worship leader, and so they have these grand memories of like gathering with people and worshiping God, and there was all this joy, and now they're in exile, now they're on the run, now their enemies are after them. And this is what that person writes. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? That's certainly a voice that we hear when we're in dark moments, don't you think? Sometimes the enemies that taunt you are in your own mind. If you are really a Christian, why would you feel this way? Verse 4, my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Almost imagine like he's giving himself this talk, right? Like, here's how I feel. I'm, I'm crying day and night, but I, I have to choose to trust God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you, even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mazar. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me and through each night I sing his songs, praying to the God who gives me life. He has to choose to remember what he believes here. Right? Because all the circumstances would say God isn't for you, God isn't watching you, God doesn't care, God is far away, you're far away. And he's saying, no, no, I believe this, I know this is true, God's unfailing love is with me. Day and night I have to sing it, I have to remember it or else my circumstances would overwhelm me. Verse 9, O oh my God, or O oh God, my rock, I cry. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff, where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Here's a person who's in the midst of adversity, quite obviously. Right? They're far from home. The things that brought them joy, they don't have access to. And in that moment, they're clinging to their faith, saying, I know who I'm supposed to be when this happens, but I feel so far away. I feel like I'm thirsty. I'm just panting like a deer that's thirsty in the desert, I just want God to be present and real to me again. Peace is not the absence of trouble or sadness or negative outcomes or persecution or stress or tiredness. 
right? If it was, then none of us would have any kind of lasting peace because those things are going to happen no matter how well you organize your life. So I like to think of peace as something that layers on top of those. It doesn't replace those. Peace is a positive factor that can, ex can exist alongside those. That's why you could be tired but have peace in your heart. You could have adversity, but you could still have joy in your heart. It's because who you are on the inside, your soul, and whether or not your soul is well, is not related, or at least shouldn't be related, to your circumstances. It doesn't have to depend on them. You can be free to enjoy peace and joy even when things around you aren't right. And they probably never will be totally right until heaven. And so this is the life Jesus invites us to live. Peace I give to you. In this world, what will happen? You'll have trouble. But I have overcome the world. Jesus promises us not peace that replaces problems, but peace that actually overlays them, gives us perspective to face them, and then walk forward in confidence, not because we know how to fix what's wrong, but because we have a perspective on who God is that anchors us even in the worst of times. So when I look in the Bible and say, well, what would be the choice here? Psalm 42. What choice can you and I make that is like a step on our path to daily peace? How would we do that? I look at verse 5 and verse 11. Right? So it's the same verse, essentially repeated. You can think of it like the chorus of the song. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Putting our hope in God is actually the first choice. Before you even attack any of the problems, I mean, in this series, we'll, we'll get into the details. Like, what do you do when you're depressed? How do you deal with anxiety? Uh, what if you are addicted to screen time and it's ruining your soul? What, like, well, what do you do about those problems that are very common to all of us? But the first choice, before we get to the specifics, is to do just what this psalmist did. Say, yes, the, the waves are coming and the problems are everywhere and the voices are taunting. I'm choosing right now, in the middle of all of that, to put my hope in God. Here's how I think of putting our hope. It's, it's kind of like an investment. It's like you've been given the capacity to hope and you have to, you have to put that somewhere. Right? I, I was kind of jealous of my, my boys here in the last couple of weeks at school. They they have the assignment of they get 100,000 fake dollars to invest in the stock market, and then they get to play and compete against their friends. Man, I, I want to be in on that. I just want it to be real dollars, you know? But, um, but they, they've kind of given this, here's the amount you can invest, now go see what you can do with it. And I almost think that hope is a little bit like that. Like your heart is going to put hope in something. That's what keeps you going. And so where will you invest your hope? And is it a very wise investment? So some people put their hope in money and say, if I can just earn enough, can kind of power through whatever problem comes up. Um, some people put their hope in relationships. If I just meet the right guy, just meet the right girl, if I could just get everybody to line up, if I just get my loved ones to do the right thing, then things would be better. I was thinking really, for me, I think the like the deeper level of all those things is the temptation is I want to put my hope in my ability to manage and figure out what's wrong. 
So I would look at problems I'm facing and say, like, to the extent I feel hope is the extent to feel like, the extent I feel like I can figure it out. But if suddenly something happens and I'm like, I don't know what to do, my hope equation goes, you know, starts to plummet. Unless my hope isn't actually in my ability to fix things, if it's actually vested in God. To say, even when it all falls apart, I'm putting my hope, I'm investing my hope in God so I can call back that, I can, when I'm struggling, I say, okay, all of my hope is invested in you, God, and so I, I don't know what to do and I don't know what will happen, but I'm trusting you. That's how you invest your hope. It's a choice. It's not really a feeling. The feeling probably follows this choice. Like once you choose to give up control uh, or the perceived control that you have over your life and circumstances and yield to God, then suddenly there's some freedom. Um, So here's the first choice on our pathway. I choose to invest my hope in God. I just want to ask you, have you ever made that choice before? That's what... Psalm 42 tells us is the answer. There was no strategy in Psalm 42 for this person to get out of their jam, like whatever that was. Like here's the steps out of your cave, or here's how to defeat those terrible enemies, or here's how to get that you know, nagging spouse off your back. Or <laughs> None of that was in there. What was in there was you have to invest your hope in God. And that's why you can praise him. And that's why there's still a reason for peace and joy, even when the situation doesn't change. So I'd invite you to bow your heads for just a moment. I want to ask you a question and sit there in the quietness of your own heart. Um, You might close your eyes and just use this as an opportunity to talk to God about the things that we're talking about right now. Because he knows you better than I do, better than anyone else, and He knows the right question to ask or button to push, point to make. When you assess your life right now, um, what or who or why are you stressed? What pressure points are you facing right now? Family, school, work, community. Among those pressure points, those stresses, which of those would you say you are trusting God with and which of those are you holding on to? Would you be willing to invest your hope in God, particularly when it comes to those stressful things or stressful people or insurmountable challenges that you're facing? Would you be willing to say, God, I'll give that to you as an act of surrender?
would you be willing to let your attitude change? I know for me, sometimes I get so wrapped up in what I think about something that it starts to become my own definition and I don't want to let it go because I really want to solve the problems or I don't want to admit I have them to begin with. But would you in this moment be willing to transfer the ownership of those problems to God? And whatever hope you have for happier days or a brighter future or a better tomorrow, would you invest that hope in God instead of in your own understanding? Lord, you see and know all of our hearts. You know the places where we're struggling and the needs that we have. You see us in a way that we can't even see ourselves. That's why we want to commit ourselves to you afresh. We want to trust you with our souls. We want to start this journey of walking toward a peaceful life with faith. Faith in you, not faith in what we'll figure out or how, how good we can perform or what we can do, even faith in our own reading of the Bible. But Lord, we want to put our faith in you and derive our hope from that. Jesus, you have given us so much. You've loved us. You've given your life as a sacrifice for us. You've given us the power to overcome death and walk in freedom from evil. And there's no reason that we shouldn't be able to walk in your peace. There's no barrier between us and your joy other than perhaps this choice will we put our hope in you I also pray as we walk through this series that you would give us insight because we know we are facing a very complex confused sad culture and a lot of people for a lot of different reasons are in a dark place. Some that we walk by in the community even contemplating whether they would take their own lives because they don't share this hope. We want to be agents of your love and light in this world, but we know we can't give away something we haven't experienced ourselves. faith we look to you and we look forward with hope in Jesus name we pray see you next week for decision number two God bless you